0: David Clark and James O'Keefe at Freedom Summit 2018. Get your tickets today at freedomsummitchicago.com.
1: Good morning, Dan and Amy. And uh, President Trump knows just what to say to make a certain junior senator from Texas feel purdy. He's no longer lying dead. To me, he's not lying dead anymore. What it's is he beautiful now? Dead. Beautiful, beautiful dead. Beautiful Texas, Texas. dead. I call him Texas dead. I can guess that that's the first time Ted Cruz has ever been called beautiful by anybody.
2: No, oh, I'm sure, you know, on the inside, she's
1: a beautiful person. I'm sure that's the first time Ted Cruz has been called beautiful <laughs> in any fashion by anybody. But it's nice that they have this friendship It serves the party's interests. By the way, uh, Trump. Not impressed like Paula Faris is with that rock star, Beto O'Rourke. I think Beto O'Rourke is highly overrated. Uh, when I heard about him, I figured he must be something a little special. He's not. I thought he got beaten badly in the debates. I think he's a highly overrated guy. Yeah, I think that's right. And uh, how overrated? The think piece is coming from the D.C. press score about Beto for president in 2020. While he is fun. losing touch from being competitive in this uh, little Senate race he's in right now. It's fascinating. For more on the midterms, we're pleased to be joined by David Drucker. He is senior political correspondent for the Washington Examiner, WashingtonExaminer.com. David, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it.
0: Yeah, good to be here, guys.
1: Boy, enthous- the enthusiasm uh, issue that's much discussed uh, in the run-up to November 6th, um, there's certainly a lot of enthusiasm in Texas, a lot of uh, a big turnout for Trump and Cruz and Abbott and Texas. And uh, so where uh, Democrats thought they were going to flip the script doesn't seem to be materializing.
0: Well, I think we have to look at this in a state by state and district by district basis. I mean, I think across the board, we know the Republican energy and
1: enthusiasm and
0: engagement in the election is definitely up. So Democrats haven't lost anything other than their advantage on that. And it's much narrower now. And in states like Texas, that tend to vote Republican, where the natural partisanship is Republican. This engagement in the midterm uh, election, which we didn't see at this level before the Kavanaugh uh, hearings, uh, is now happening. And so we've seen as a result of that, Senate races like Texas, Senate races in Tennessee, North Dakota, Indiana, Missouri have started moving the Republicans' way. I'm leaving some of these Senate races out, but there's, there's a few more of them. And I think that's what we're seeing here. And the president, because even when the president's numbers are at his worst, even when um, he's struggling with the broader electorate, he's always been strong with Republican voters. And in the midterm election, where a lot does revolve around base turnout, affiliating yourself with the president in a state like Texas uh, is a no-brainer. And, and that's what Ted Cruz is doing. And that, in addition— to this Texas Senate race in particular becoming less about personality and more about issues has really helped Ted Cruz.
2: President Trump yesterday, you know, to try and lure people into voting, uh, talked about taxes and this 10 percent tax for the middle class. Um, I mean, obviously that needs congressional approval. They're in recess right now. What, what kind of statement do you think that he's just blowing smoke or do you think that he'll, you know, tackle that after the midterm elections?
0: I, I, I think it's just Trump talking. Um Republicans in Congress uh, haven't discussed further tax cuts. I mean, in theory, if you look at the $1.3 trillion tax overhaul that they approved last December, um, it had a pretty hefty middle-class tax cut, actually. And I don't know if there's any more cuts there beyond just reducing the marginal rates yet again, which I'm not arguing with. I'm not saying it's a bad idea. I'm just saying I don't think there's much of an appetite for that in Congress and I think, honestly, we have to see how the midterm elections go. because A tax bill of any sort would be a really heavy lift in a lame-duck session. Um, even if Republicans remain in control, they're going to have, uh, heading into January, a much smaller majority in the House, much smaller. Uh, they'll gain a couple of Senate seats, um, it looks like, but all of these tax bills originating have to get through the House.
1: A couple of interesting pieces, um, David Gallertner in The Wall Street Journal, Yale computer science pro- professor, Suzanne Vanker in your publication, The Washington Examiner, both sort of making the same argument that uh, uh, people are can separate Trump the personality from Trump the policymaker, and Suzanne Vanker specifically making the case that uh, suburban women like herself can do that. Uh, do you think that's uh, wishful thinking, or do you think that's actually happening on the ground in these swing districts?
0: Well, I think it depends who you're talking to and where you're talking to So I've been in states and districts over the past uh, couple of months where that's exactly what people are doing. Um, I've interviewed women, I've interviewed men, but women in particular, let's say. And they'll tell me flat out they don't like the president's behavior, they don't like the speech, they wish you would just stop talking so much, but they... They really like the accomplishments, and they like what he's doing from a policy perspective. And you know, at the very least, given their choices, and in some cases not given their choices, just because they really you know like his agenda, they're gonna, they're going to put up with it, even though it's it's a little bit discomforting now and then. But there are other women, and you have seen this in the data, and I've talked to women who told me, "Look, I voted Republican my entire life in every election until Trump. I'm still a registered Republican. I still." consider myself a national security hawk, a fiscal conservative, um, and socially libertarian, but definitely not, you know, a pro-choice activist, let's say. And they just they can't stomach Republicans right now because of Trump. So we have to see, obviously, how the elections turn out. But I, I think, you know, there are both kinds of voters. And it just sort of depends on where you are, where I'm in the redder areas. When I was in the Indianapolis suburbs, You know, this is less of an issue for Republicans, and I think it's mostly, yeah, we should stop tweeting, but but we're okay with him. When I get into some of these other suburbs where we're seeing more of a drift from the Republicans, then it's more of an issue.
2: Now, one thing that's facing President Trump right now is what to do about the caravan or so-called illegals that are coming, trying to get into this country. 7,500 strong right now could grow up to 10,000. President Trump said he's going to um, bring active military members down to the border, but doesn't that need congressional approval?
0: No, does not. The president controls the U.S. military. The president controls the Border Patrol. The president has a broad purview over national security matters. The president needs uh, congressional approval to appropriate money in order to, let's say, build a wall or increase the size of the military the president does not need congressional approval to take defensive measures, and that includes either here or around the globe. Now, you know, in terms of how we deploy the military, and I'm not a lawyer, I'm not a constitutional scholar, so I want to be careful, and there could be posse comitatus issues. But the president doesn't need the Democrats to like what he wants to do to protect the border. So in some ways it's, just, it's been a, an effective political tool for him to say the caravan's coming and the Democrats are going to let them in if you don't vote for Republicans. But the truth is. As long as Trump is president, he's in charge of the border. He can put a stop to it any way, you know, basically any way he can fit. So it's it's really a it's 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 a specious charge that he's making. Mean, it's also in some cases very politically effective.
1: Uh, well, it, right, but I, if you put Democrats in charge, this is these are the sort of policy differences that uh, that you. Correct, so, should but the consider doesn't get yeah. through the border right as
0: long as he's president right and and I think that's important to point out. But well, the policy differences, of course, are
1: and different. and and so on the on the uh, the caravan mob, however you want to describe it. Uh, w- what do Democrats on the Hill think about that? Do they think that uh, this caravan of seventy seven thousand, seventy five hundred people making their way to the border and the uh, opportunity it presents for Trump to reassert his position on border security and national security uh re the contrast between republicans and democrats on abolishing ice and amnesty and the like um uh, do, do they think that this is a, a political opportunity for them before, before november 6th no of course, not. No, okay. of course okay. not
0: they want to talk about health care they want to talk about their ideas for tax reform versus the republican tax bill they want to they want the undercurrent to be about Trump and his, you know, oftentimes provocative behavior and rhetoric. Um, you know, they want it to be about the trade dispute with China. I mean, anything and everything but these things. <laughs> so right. the Democrats don't see this as an opportunity. They see this as a pain in their rear end. They see as it polit- as, as something that they clearly don't want to discuss. And, it, you know, and part of it is, is they, they know it's not helpful politically, but also if it puts them crosswise with their base— who, you know, has a, a sort of different view about you know letting people into the country uh, than does uh, President Trump. But, you know, where they're, where they're looking to pick up seats in, in suburbs that have traditionally voted Republican, this is just not what they want to be talking about.
1: Right. So because there's been, you know, as I'm sure you've heard, a, a conspiracy theories in both directions about who, who benefits from this. And this is all Soros funded or this is a false flag operation by the Trump administration. And it turns out, you know, there's a lot of people from uh, places like Guatemala and Honduras that uh, and Mexico that would like to be in America.
0: Look, I think we can make a case that a lot of those people just legitimately would rather live and work in America because it's a better place to be. Yeah, you're safer. You have more opportunity. You have a better education for your children. and I think that's been true going back 100 years when it comes to immigrants trying to come here one way or the other. The idea that Democrats are engineering this uh, for gain just doesn't make any sense because Mm -hmm. there is no political gain to be had.
2: Well, what about President Trump thinking that Middle Easterners have somehow snuck into this caravan or this group?
0: Yeah, I mean, look, it's it's another uh, piece of information that we don't have any evidence for, but I'm not saying that to disprove it. I'm saying we just don't know. But, you know, these are the sorts of things— These are the sorts of reasons why you want good border security, to make sure, you know, different people that might want to do us harm would try and use people that want to come here for legitimate reasons uh, and to use them to get in here to to, to do bad things. So, you know, the president brings this up because he wants this election to be about Republican policies on safety and security versus some of the more liberal elements of the Democratic Party who have talked about abolishing ICE and, are uncomfortable with the idea that you know integrating to the U.S. should be highly regulated, and, and you know that's where he wants the messaging to be. So it's it's a, it's a good, it's smart political messaging from the president. It doesn't mean that everything makes sense, but you know what? When when Democrats accuse Paul Ryan of uh, throwing Granny off a cliff because he wanted to reform Medicare, that that didn't you know wasn't factual either. So you know yeah. Both parties do this, and sometimes both parties succeed in doing
1: this. Or as we played earlier, uh, Joaquin Castro accusing uh, Trump and Jared Kushner of ordering the hit on Khashoggi. I mean, it's it's pretty remarkable stuff out there. Um, he is David Drucker, senior political correspondent for the Washington Examiner, WashingtonExaminer.com. David, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. Thanks
2: a lot. And he joined us on our Pro Answer.